This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Milwaukee is the fountainhead of school reform. In 1991, a small school voucher program serving around 1,000 students was signed into law by Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson and an alliance of black activists, business leaders, and statewide Republicans pushed hard over the next 25 years to see this program gradually expand to over 20,000 students. Meanwhile, an amalgam of charter schools, some sponsored by the mayor's office, some by the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, and some by the school district itself, created a parallel school choice system. And then students could also go to the suburbs in order to get their education. Now, how has all this choice affected the Milwaukee public school system? Are students in Milwaukee learning more than ever before? Alan Borsuk, a reporter for the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal and a senior lecturer at the Marquette University Law School has been closely following these events unfold and he has recently prepared an assessment of all that has happened. So thank you, Alan, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Honored to be here. So Alan, you're a reporter and so you've got to focus first on the facts <laughs> for me. What is the percentage of students that are taking advantage of each of these choice options in Milwaukee? Well, the universe of kids who live in the city of Milwaukee who are getting publicly funded education, and I choose that term very specifically, um, is a little under 120,000 kids. Of those, about 56% are going to the traditional, the conventional Milwaukee public school system. Just under 25% are going to private schools, almost all of them religious, using publicly funded vouchers. Uh, about 15% are in one of uh, three streams of independent charter schools. And that leaves uh, four or 5% who are uh, uh, using the Wisconsin's open enrollment law to enroll into schools in the suburbs. So how do you broadly assess this situation. I mean, this has been developing over uh, you know, a 30-year period of time. Um, this is a full-blown system of choice uh, out there. Uh, is it working well? Well, define well. Is it popular? Yes. Has it grown enormously and changed the landscape and the options for kids? Uh, in many ways for what kind of education they're going to get, yes. The place where I get hung up a fair amount is that the overall academic achievement of kids in the city of Milwaukee in all the streams of schools is just nowhere close to where you anyone would want it to be, nor has it improved particularly. Um, in in uh, For at least 20 years, Milwaukee's been kind of stuck at about 20% of kids who are rated as proficient or advanced in reading on the state's uh, accountability tests. And that's true for kids in Milwaukee public schools, but it's almost the exact same number for kids who are in the private school voucher program. It's a little bit better for the, for the charter schools. Maybe it's overall uh, 25%, maybe 27%. And in math, it's worse. It's about 15%, I think, in pretty much all three sectors. So that means 80% or 85% of kids in, this, in the city 
are not rated as proficient in reading or math, which is just overwhelming. It's just so a huge crisis. Why, why is this such a dismal outcome uh, choice? Everybody says is going to lead to competition, and each sector is going to try to improve in order to uh, enhance its, uh, its presence and its share of the student population. Uh, why They seem to have reached an agreement to be equally bad. Oh, man, I fear that you're right. Um, it's it, it, it's highly competitive environment, but that also unfortunately has uh, led to um, kind of kind of short-sighted thinking on a lot of people's parts that they're looking for you know every kid they can get. Uh, even some of the most intense competition, by the way, is within the Milwaukee public school system because kids are money, are vitality, and and so the competition for kids is intense. I think the two bigger factors, though, is that the political climate overall is, is, was, and I'm afraid will be pretty hostile, really divided, um, uh, short-sighted in the sense of nobody's looking out for the big picture of how our kids doing and what would work for kids. And the third aspect of this is I think everyone's discovered, no matter what stream of schools they're in or what specific school they're in, how hard it is to make progress in a situation where the so many kids, the, the large majority of kids in the city, are living in such deep poverty and are coming from uh, environments that are just so unconducive to doing well in school, so many difficult neighborhoods, so many dysfunctional homes. Um, it's, it's just hard to break through with kids, and I think everyone's discovered that. Even the best schools in town, uh, the leaders of them frequently are telling me it's getting harder because the kids are getting harder, and it's just so difficult. The instability in kids' lives um, is so enormous. So uh, this situation exists in other cities as well, and uh, we've just had a <coughs> conference here at Harvard that you've been a part of, and uh, you know, in Denver, they say, yes, there's all this competition, but that's been good, and the schools are getting better. A similar story comes out of Indianapolis. Why do you think that this competition in Milwaukee has led to this polarization? I think you're right to say this polarization yeah, very between polarized. political elites uh, fighting and, and, and not sort of a more let's take advantage of all these options out there and, and create uh, an environment that's going to constantly improve. I wish it were like that. <laughs> let's take advantage of, of all these options. Um, Wisconsin is, I mean, there are a bunch of reasons. Wisconsin, for one thing, is an extremely polarized state politically. Um, you go back through the history of presidential elections, uh, uh, races for governor, races for U.S. Senate, um, recently races for state Supreme Court have shown the same pattern. It's a 50-50 state, and so that leads to very intense politics um, between Milwaukee and the rest of the state, between Democrats and Republicans. Um, so that that's a problem. Frankly, weak leadership is a problem. Um, we have not had a real strong education voice in the mayor's office in Milwaukee. Um, 
Well, years ago, there was a... Uh, John Norquist was the mayor from 1988 to 2000. Yes, and he worked in a bipartisan way with the governor, I think. He was a Democrat who supported school choice, who worked with Tommy Thompson, who was a Republican who supported school choice. But it's been since 2002 that he was in office. The current mayor, who is a previously was a Democratic congressman, frankly, really nice guy, and there are certain aspects of the job he does well, I suppose I'd say. Um, I like him personally. <laughs> but but he, education is not his thing. He's just not going to wade into that and be an education leader. And the fighting between Scott Walker and Milwaukee in general, uh, Walker was the governor from 2011 to 2019, got defeated in the fall of 2018. Um, that created an acrimonious environment, um, certainly on the part of the public school sector had its back up in a really big way. And civic leadership is very divided um, between the pro-choice business community and the, uh, the union people and so on. Uh, very dis- ineffective and, and divided civic leadership voice. It's just not a unified atmosphere. Well, I remember at one time the school board would shift from control by the yeah. reformers back to yeah. control by the union <laughs> faction. And I covered it all. Yeah. So is that continued? In 1999, there was a uh, there, there are nine members of the Milwaukee School Board. Um, in 1999, the election of five of them in that wave all went to what you'd call the reform candidates, and that led to a lot of changes. Um, in MPS, they fired a superintendent. They brought in more or less a pro-choice superintendent. When I say choice, I don't even mean vouchers, but just kind of opening up innovation within MPS and trying to cooperate more um, with other schools. And it didn't work out well. The, the teachers' union was very opposed. The community was mostly pretty opposed. So in 2001, that wave was largely reversed. Um, and the school board was divided and not terribly functional for a few years there. Uh, if you want to think of it as uh, good news, the school board is very united these days. <laughs> the bad news, if you think of it that way, is that it's all of one mind, pretty much. Um, all nine members of the school board, as of just right now, in April, there was an election for five seats again. They all went to pro-union candidates. Um, all nine members of the school board now have been endorsed by the teachers' union. Wisconsin, 2011, we had the so-called Act 10 action, which majorly disempowered teachers' unions, Uh, nearly had a civil war over this, Uh, literally tens of thousands of people protesting at the state capitol and all. Even though it disempowered teachers' unions, it didn't. A lot of things haven't changed. They don't have the control over contracts the way they did, but as a political force, especially in Milwaukee, the teachers' union is if anything, recovered quite a bit of strength. Um, so they are very combative, very assertive. They don't want the privateers well, the and so, so on. So now that they're in power, what maybe they have a set of reforms that they want to put through. So what's, yeah, what's let me the know. Um, <laughs> if you find out what they are, let me know. Um, Milwaukee Public Schools is not in very good shape. Um, the resentment on the part of the public school people, led led by the union in large part, is that the charter schools and the private schools are uh, getting all the good kids and leaving MPS with all the bad kids and taking money away, some of which is sort of true and a lot of which is exaggerated. Um, I'll, I'll grant that as a best as I can say a factual 
statement. It's a grayer picture than the advocates on either side want to make it. Um, their goal would be to uh, get rid of the voucher and charter schools. They can't do much about the voucher schools, and they can do something about some of the charter schools which are chartered by the Milwaukee School Board, and that's going to be a big battle in Milwaukee coming up ahead here. I think the MPS-connected charter schools are, uh, and ones that have independent staffs, though, are uh, going to find themselves in really uncomfortable positions and may leave MPS and go to a different chartering authority, which has pluses and minuses, but it's going to be contentious. Um, what would they like? They'd like more money. <laughs> They'd like to reduce class size, uh, which has gone up in Milwaukee Public Schools. They'd like to restore music, music and art teachers and such, which have been cut as the budget squeeze has gotten tighter. This is largely true statewide, not just in Milwaukee. Um, they want to go to old days, lots of money. Um, well, that's all very nice, but they've got to get that money from the state legislature, <laughs> yes. which is Republican, or else they've got to raise the property tax. Are they going to raise the property tax in Milwaukee? Well, the, what's going to happen in the state capitol is uh, really hard to predict. We now have a liberal Democratic governor, former uh, superintendent of public schools, Tony Evers, but the legislature is dominated by conservative outstate Republicans, not from Milwaukee or not from Madison. Wisconsin has a two-year budget cycle, of which we're just getting into the heart of it right now. Um, it's supposed to be settled by June 30th, which I don't think that's going to happen. And what's going to, the, the, the visions, the, the proposals that have come forward from the governor and from the legislative leaders are dramatically different. Um, neither of them are going to get entirely their way. The governor proposed steps that would majorly crimp, almost eliminate, in some parts eliminate, some of the voucher and charter programs in the state now. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think the Republicans are going to allow it. In Wisconsin, the school districts locally can go to referendums to spend more than the state-imposed limit. Milwaukee hasn't done anything like that since 1993 when Howard Fuller was the superintendent. And they got clobbered at that time. Um, I mean, it's a high-poverty city, and people aren't too eager to vote for more taxes on themselves. It would have to be Milwaukee generating the money through property taxes. There is talk now of having a referendum in Milwaukee for the first time in 16 years. I bet it's not going to happen, and it won't happen for— it won't go anywhere, at least until the state budget is settled, which— my prediction is June 30th isn't going to come till sometime this fall in, in Wisconsin politics because because they'll be deadlocked over the budget. Well, I heard that the school boards had more resources now because of the changes in the pension law and the medical uh, benefits law so that the teachers now pick up more uh, share of the cost of that. So maybe yes. they have more resources from, from, from that source. Yes and no. Yes in that um, the Act 10, going back to 2011, did require teachers statewide to pay more towards their uh, health insurance, to make contributions towards their retirement benefits, which were entirely paid by school districts before that. And they also gave school districts flexibility on things like contracting for health insurance plans and some retirement benefits. In the case of Milwaukee Public Schools, this provided quite a bit of relief. Um, they were really headed towards a, a cliff in the late 
say 2009, 2010, late in that decade, they were deeply troubled financially. Act 10 gave them quite a bit of relief. I don't think people in MPS would like to admit this, but uh, nobody got a bigger break from Act 10 than Milwaukee Public Schools. But instead of drowning, they still have deep financial problems. I, I sometimes say instead of drowning in 200 feet of water, now they're in danger of drowning in 40 feet of water. So it's not as deep, but it's still over their heads in some ways. I also, my uh, snarky uh, way of approaching it, Act 10 gave them six or seven years of a break, but we're now in years eight and nine, and uh, the pressure is increasing, which that makes the state budget that's coming up all the more important because the governor wants to give the public schools way more money Increase special ed funding, increase general funding. Um, if that came to pass, MPS would get a lot of relief, but I'm not at all optimistic that this gusher of money is going to be unleashed. Well, you say in your essay <laughs> that uh, there's a, a litany of reforms that have been offered uh, over the years <laughs> by the superintendent and that, uh, but you can't find much of an impact from any of them. Uh, is that really fair? I mean, certainly well, some of those reforms must have had some impact. Well, some of them were well-intended. Some of them were well-executed. Um, some of them were just too small to really make a difference. Some of them were poorly structured and not, and not effective. Um, so I'm, I'm not even dumping on all of them. I think I list 30 of them that I, and, and not all of them coming from MPS. This is from all over the place, including, you know, No Child Left Behind and Wisconsin's uh, class size reduction program and an effort several years ago by Republicans to try to take over some of the lowest performing schools in town and reconstitute them. Uh, a lot of these, the, some of those just totally failed. Um, the, the, uh, the Buffett family, Warren Buffett's family, funded an Educare program in Milwaukee. That's a great program for early childhood, but it costs twenty-one or twenty-two thousand dollars per kid. So it's great for a hundred and twenty-five kids or so, but it doesn't change the total landscape. And that's true of some of the other efforts. They they're actually good programs. They didn't change the landscape. So that to me, the question is: Has anything been done to raise the bar on reading success? math success, overall college readiness, just general development, uh, getting on a path to success as an, as an adult. Across the whole city, the answer is no. Milwaukee still has, on NAEP, still has on both the, the, the NAEP TUDA, the urban tests, still has some of the worst scores in the country. Wisconsin, which largely means Milwaukee, has either the biggest or close to the biggest gaps between white and black kids in the country um, and bigger than you know you think of some of the states in the south you say, oh don't they have terrible school systems mississippi and alabama and so on no wisconsin black kids are doing worse than those places and that's just been true for so many years and it hasn't changed and that's my standard of saying has something really succeeded in changing the landscape so but, uh, milwaukee has <clears throat> built a, a, a new arena Yes, it's beautiful. 
I, I just went to a basketball game there recently. First time I'd been in there for an event. And uh, uh, the National Democratic Demo- Party yes. has, agrees with you. Uh, they're Democratic uh, National they Convention. They are going to come to Milwaukee in 2020 for their uh, selection of their candidate for president of the United States. Now, what impact <laughs> is this going to have on Milwaukee? I don't know if it'll have any impact as far as making things better, except for some strong but short-term impact on tourism dollars, because there's going to be a lot of people in town. Personally, I'm thinking of leaving town for those couple weeks in the summer of 2020, because it's going to be just bedlam. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and Milwaukee will be very eager to to host everybody and do a good job. I don't know if it's going to affect things in the long run. I mean, they're coming to Milwaukee in large part because Trump won in 2016, very narrowly, but it was one of the states that's pointed to as being crucial in 2016 to his victory and being crucial as things shape up for 2020. I think uh, whoever is listening to this, wherever you may be, you're going to get sick of hearing about Wisconsin for the next uh, 18 months because it's going to be in the center of all the politics. So that's why they're coming. But Will it help? I, I don't know. Aren't the schools going to try to do something to show that Milwaukee is moving <laughs> forward? I mean, how everyone's going to try to put their best foot forward. Otherwise, they're going to become sort of a focal point of cri- criticism by the opposition. Well, with with a couple exceptions like uh, Kamala Harris's plan for giving teachers way more money, education isn't that big an issue in the in the Democratic. Uh, presidential race so far, nor was it in 2016 or 2012. Now, I don't think schools are going to be in the spotlight um, for that convention. I mean, is there some way to parlay this into people wanting to to actually commit themselves to doing better um, as leaders of the community or as philanthropic, uh, philanthropic supporters? I don't know. Well, give us one positive nugget to conclude on. What What is the best thing that's happened in the schools of Milwaukee in recent years? Well, there are positive things. Uh, and when I get down, which I do given the total landscape, there are certain schools I can visit. Many of them, I might say, are charter schools. And you go in there and you say, hey, this is really good. They're doing a great job. They're getting great results. They're great educators. They're really committed. They're all rowing the boat together. We do have such schools in Milwaukee, and it's uplifting to go to visit them. We just don't have enough, and we don't have enough commitment to building more. Um, In general, I think there's been a big turn now towards working on trying to, to help kids deal with the trauma in their lives, with their health and mental problems, which mental health is a really big issue among kids probably nationwide, but for sure in in Milwaukee, uh, social, emotional, and all these things, to try to get kids in a better position to learn. This is an important turn in that so many things haven't worked, and you say, well, what if we can get kids to be in a better position to learn? So I'm hopeful that this is a good turn and that it'll increase you know, healthy relationships between teachers and kids, between kids and schools in general. Well, how about safety? Because uh, in, in, in Camden, New Jersey, we heard today that the first thing the superintendent right. wanted to do was to talk. Uh, he found out that everybody in the community was more concerned about safety than anything else. So uh, if, if the schools could be safe, that could be a starting place. 
it is true that one of the appeals for the voucher schools, for the private schools that are in the voucher program, and for the charter schools generally, is that they have safer environments, generally smaller class sizes, more intimate schools, just a greater sense of social fabric than in some of the big high schools and middle schools in the Milwaukee public school system. I used to say that I didn't think safety was a big issue in, M in MPS. I, I felt comfortable walking into just about any building anytime. Um, back in the times when they would let me go into buildings more, which they don't do much anymore. Um, I don't think that's as true now. I think there's a harsher environment. And yes, more needs to be done about it. And it has to be, it has to be more than just putting more security guards in a building. It has to be really building relationships, which is where I hope this emphasis on student uh, emotional health and, and the stability in kids' lives um, will help. Uh, well, thank you very much, Alan. This has been uh, a discouraging report, <laughs> uh, but an illuminating yes. report. Um, well, discouraging, except people are still fighting. People are still working at it, and you keep hoping things will get better. Well, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. I have been speaking with Alan Borsick, a reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for many years and now a senior fellow at Marquette University's Law School. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern Time.